This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The Glossing Detangler and Perfect Conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. Happy Tuesday or whatever day you're listening to me. If you are not listening on a Tuesday, I hope you're having a great day or morning. Uh, Or if you're not able to sleep and it's the middle of the night and you're staring at the ceiling and you're like, hmm, what could I do right now? Oh, I'll go listen to Seeing Other People. Then I hope you fall back asleep and then listen. Um, I am so excited for the episode today. We have a very special guest, Sean, also known as The Love Drive. Sean is a coach and speaker and has courses on communication and intimacy and relationships and has a really awesome blog and podcast. And my favorite thing that Sean does is his social content, which I am always blown away by. And the amount of videos that he's able to make, like I go in such phases where... I can record like a video for TikTok or for Instagram. I can record like 10 in a day. And then I literally will not record any for a month. And I'm kind of in that not recording any for a month phase. And it's not good. It's not good for you guys because then you don't get the advice that you need. It's not good for me or my career or my ability to pay my rent. It's not good for anything. It's not good for any of us. But alas, here we are in that month off phase. Um, Anywho, we have a very exciting episode coming up. I feel like I can't talk right now because I just talked for an hour and I woke up really early to work, but I feel really, I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I feel. I feel like it's Friday, but it's Thursday. Um, Okay, I'm going on a tangent right now. Anywho, today we are going to talk about honesty and communication and why we really struggle to communicate what we're feeling and our intentions and how we can have more vulnerable and really like honest and genuine conversations with people that we're dating. And then we're also going to talk about commitment and everything that comes with defining the relationship, exclusivity, uh, the are we a boyfriend, girlfriend talk. And we also answer a ton of listener questions. So it is a great episode. Get ready. And I'm going to bring Sean in. All right. And we are here with Sean. Sean, how's it going? Pretty good. I'm really happy to be here. I'm really happy to have you here. Why don't you introduce yourself and let the Seeing Other People family that you are now a part of know who you are? Oh, hey, family. My name is Sean Galanos. I'm a love coach, and I teach communication and intimacy tools for better, more loving relationships. That's basically the the short of it. And we need you here for that. We need all of that. 
We're going to try and get all of the knowledge in your brain out into this podcast episode. So I will do my best. <laughs> get ready. Buckle up. Um, well, first, I kind of want to love a little background about how you ended up being like a love coach and speaker and getting into the whole relationship realm, because I always find that really fascinating. And I think it's great to just set the stage with that. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. And I think just from the get go, I always struggled with relationships. And I had the like dating and the hooking up part, like pretty good, but it was the being in a relationship, talking about emotions, asking for what I want, like having honest conversations, like all of that, like I never saw it modeled for me mm -hmm. growing up. I didn't really see it on TV. I had zero relationship education because that doesn't really exist in sort of a traditional scholastic curriculum. So I really struggled with this stuff. Uh, but I also at the same time, like really enjoyed like connecting with people, uh, going on dates. I loved romance, sex, and love talking about it. And so I was sort of the person that my friends would come to because they knew that I'd be have like sort of a bottomless well of energy to talk about that kind of stuff. And some friends just aren't, you know, they're like not the people you go to to talk about that. So I, I always had that like the passion piece. I had the I'm really confused about how to do this well piece. And then uh, maybe seven or eight years ago, I was driving a taxi in San Francisco and a friend said, maybe you should record your conversations with your passengers. And That's so I put cool. cameras. Yeah, I put cameras and microphones and lights in my taxi and drove around San Francisco while working. I would have conversations with people and I would tell them that that I was doing that. And that's sort of where the love drive began. Right? That, I was like, that just clicked in my head. That is so cool. Yeah, that's that the origin story. Awesome. Driving around. And like back in the day, it was, it was pretty like low hanging fruit, you know, like a lot of questions about sex and, you know, like what's the deal with shaving your balls and like, you know, sex on your period. Is that cool or not? Like it was kind of like really basic stuff. And then over the years sort of evolved into more like love and relationship, intimacy and romance. So I started doing videos and then writing blogs and then I did a podcast and then I got trained as a rape crisis counselor, a certified coach, sex educator, and also have a background in communication. So I went to school for communication, interpersonal communication at the University of California, Santa Barbara. And I make UCSB sound. Yeah, I said it like that because like, I wanted it to sound fancy, but it was like really just like a huge party school. Um, I actually, I did a summer program at UCSB when I was in high school and it was like, oh God, I'm so jealous you spent four years there. It's like the coolest place in the world. Yeah. Doesn't it sound better though when you say University of California, Santa Barbara? Well, of course it sounds like prestige and elite <laughs> and like fancy schmancy, but it, <laughs> I mean, it is one of the most beautiful like places ever. And to think like I was at Syracuse and so I had the complete, literally polar opposite where it was negative 20 degrees while you were on the beach. I would, you could see the ocean from some of the classrooms. Yeah. Unreal. Um, and also I just want to say that like, I was a really bad student, you know, I barely made it into school. I barely graduated with a 2.4. Um, so, you know, it, it is possible to build something even if you're not, you know, studious and academically oriented. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
I'm still stuck on the love drive. That is, I, I was wondering where that came from. And that is like the coolest naming story I've ever heard. It took a long time, you know, like coming up with a name. It was like, there was a whiteboard and, you know, weeks and weeks of sort of trying stuff out and, and oh, looking yeah. for available domains. Um, and so recently my career looks more like teaching courses online on communication, intimacy, emotional availability, sexuality, modern dating, and then also speaking on those subjects. Hell yeah. Well, let's, let's speak on it. Let's talk about it. Um, one of the things I wanted to start with and, and kind of go off of is just honesty and communication in general, because I think we're at a point in modern dating and especially like millennial dating too, where one of the biggest things that makes it hard is that like people don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to communicate well. So when people do communicate, you don't even know if what they're communicating is like their truth. And I also think like a lot of people haven't even done the work inside themselves to know what their like honest intentions, their honest feelings are. Um, so I definitely want to dive into all of that. And I think a good place to start is what, from your experience and, and from the people you've talked to and, and the work you've done, what do you think really prevents people from being honest? Fear. Just being really scared. I think of two things, uh, rejection and inadequacy, right? Not being enough, which I think they're they're, they're the same. I think the underlying fear is, is the fear of inadequacy that I am not enough or that conversely, I am too much, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're too much, it means, um, in some way you're also, you're, you're not enough, right? You're not enough of the thing, right? You're not chill enough. You're not cool enough. You're not, um, stable grounded, so I think really fear is the thing that blocks people from speaking their truth. And like you said, to your point, I think a lot of people haven't done the work or aren't in a place to do the work around what is it that I actually want. Yeah. And I think that just comes with a lot of experience, right? Like wisdom is experienced, not taught, right? So we can tell people, you know, say this, do this, do this, but ultimately like, they have to do it. Mm-hmm. And then experience what happens when you speak your truth. You know, for example, telling someone that you want to go on a date with them or telling them that you want more commitment or telling them that you're no longer interested in them. What happens after you do that? Yeah. So fear, uh, also lack of practice, right? So we, you know, we're scared, so we don't do it. And then we just get used to not doing it. It's sort of like uh, when you take a break from the gym Oh my God, don't, I don't, no, don't do this to me right now. It's like so hard to go back to the gym. I'm really struggling. It's I so hard. Really, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. You get used to not going to the gym. And so you get used to not speaking up about what you want. Um, and also, you know, another thing is that we, like, I didn't have role models. I didn't have examples. Yeah. Where are we seeing people being honest and truthful and loving and respectful towards other people in relationship or in situationships or in dating contexts. Like, where do we see that? Like, we don't actually see it. So we have, we have to practice on each other, right? We have to learn this stuff like by doing it, which is totally scary because I would like a guidebook on how to do relationships. Right. I would really like that. And that doesn't really exist. So we kind of have to like cobble together all these resources from content creators, from teachers, from courses. And then the problem is a lot of that stuff is conflicting. 
right? You've got the rules, you've got, you've got the game, you've got to do this, you, you get people telling you to do this, you've got me telling you to do the other thing. And so it gets really, really confusing as to like, what is the right thing for me to do in this situation? Yeah, it, it is really tough. And I'm glad you pointed that out. And I'm also glad you said the right thing for me in this situation, because I think that is such an important factor. Like you said, it's like every podcast host, every expert might have a different way of going about it, but you need to figure out what you're comfortable with, which like one interesting thing that happened, um, Lindsay Metzler, we, from, we met at Acme, she and I have very different perspectives on dating in general. And like, she's very like traditional and old fashioned, like has the rules. And I'm like, there are no rules, like do what works for you. And we went on each other's shows. And what was really interesting was, I, I don't, the We Met at Acme fans did not want to hear what I had to say. And the Seeing Other People fans did not want to hear what Lindsay had to say because they had already found like, okay, these rules work for me. Or, okay, the concept of no rules is what works for me. So it is really hard to navigate that when there are so many different voices and and people telling you different things. But yeah, I do think it's really important to consider who you are and what your personality is like, what, like what's in your comfort zone and then roll with that. Of course, occasionally stepping out of your comfort zone, seeing if that works for you and and trial and error. Yeah. Lindsay and I had a very similar experience. (laughs) She was excited to have me on her show because she knew that like a lot of the advice that I give is contrary to the advice that she gives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The title of our episode was literally disagreeing. Um, I love that. Yeah. Love her though. Got lunch with her yesterday. She's great. Uh, Shout out Lindsay. (laughs) But, um, Yeah. So I guess my question would be, where is a good place to start for someone who hasn't maybe had the experience or hasn't yet looked within themselves? Or like, like you said, like the the gym metaphor, like they've been out of practice, maybe because of the pandemic, and they want to get back into it, but they're afraid. What advice would you give? Start with your friends. Start with your loved ones, right? So I think what's really important about opening up, right? Because that's kind of what we're talking about, right? We're opening up to other people about our internal landscape, right? Our emotions, our desires, our needs. I think it's really important to open up to people that are safe opening up to, which is why we do get into relationships. In my opinion, uh, we should, and I hate to use the word should, but slowly over time, right? Because when you do that, you gauge how safe is this person, for me to disclose what's happening. A lot of the stuff that we hold on to that we are scared of disclosing, we often feel shame around. And it's really important to be able to disclose that stuff in a measured way, right? Slowly over time to people that can hold our hearts with tenderness, compassion, care, understanding, and respect, right? Because what happens when you open up to somebody that isn't safe or that you don't know is safe yet, and they have sort of a a negative reaction to your disclosure, then that will confirm to you that you shouldn't speak out about what you want or what's going on for you, right? It's like sort of the confirmation bias. You'll tell yourself, oh, I knew this was going to happen. I knew I shouldn't listen to Sean and Alana about being open. I knew that I was going to get rejected and I got rejected, right? So we want to start with people that we know are safe. And generally, that's our friends, right? People that we already know that have been through thick and thin with us, that have been there through our highs and our lows, and that can, for the most part, handle us, right? The, uh, The unadulterated us. So start with people that you know are safe and then, you know, try to, like you said, 
explore the edges of your comfort zone, right? Yeah. Share things with them that you normally maybe wouldn't share, but that you have an inkling that they are a safe person to share that with, right? So that might be um, talking about your disappointment around your career, about how it's not, or about how your life isn't panning out the way you want it to, or about some of your dating disappointments, or, or about some of your like um, childhood pains and wounds, mm -hmm. right? And so hopefully, hopefully they, they react in a positive, supportive way. And not all friends are going to be able to do this, obviously. But for those that can, you start to maybe trust that there are some people out there that can handle what you have to share in a loving way. And then, then that can build faith in the process of disclosing emotions, desires, needs, fears, boundaries, all the stuff that sort of makes uh, or can contribute to a healthy, loving relationship. Yeah. I want to emphasize the point that you said about not all friends are going to be the right friend for this. And I think that's such an important point that like, we don't always think about which of our friends is the right person to communicate X, Y, Z thing versus ABC thing. And I think like how your friends would come to you about dating and relationships. My friends would come to me. I, I love my friends dearly, but I've learned over the years who I should and should not talk to about certain things based on like trying and, and getting different reactions and, and kind of looking within after and, and feeling either like disappointed or hurt or upset by the things that they said in response to the things that I've shared. So I definitely think like if, if you know that saying something about like, let's say your relationship to the friend who is like constantly upset that they're the only, like the single one, like that might not be the right avenue to go down, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I also didn't say family because oftentimes family is not the people, unfortunately, that we go to for that kind of emotional support. Um, hats off to all the loving family members out there who are able to sort of hold all of your emotions with love and tenderness. In my experience and the people that I work with, you know, family is not who we go to for that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, some friends just are not helpful. Not it. You know, you might have like your party friends, your activity friends, your brunch friends, and then you're um, wearing taco pajamas <laughs> and doing a, you know, face mask sort of like cry fest friends. Yes. And yes. maybe it's the taco pajama ones that you want to sort of like, you know, uh, steer towards when you're going to open up to, to them about something, you know, intimate and potentially yeah. very like sensitive. Absolutely. And I think another thing that could be really helpful in the situation when you're like trying to open up like those games, like the we're not really strangers card games, um, the certain things like that, that are kind of a crutch where it helps facilitate like more intimate conversation. Like even if you don't know that there's something specific on your mind that you want to express to some like a friend in practice, but you know, you want to just practice like opening up and looking within and, and communicating about that. I think things like those questions and, and those games are really helpful in getting into those conversations. It's like if you uh, never went to the gym and you just showed up expecting to know how the machines work or like what is a well-rounded workout routine for your particular goals and like body type or whatever, uh, it's going to be harder than if you had like maybe a personal trainer like outline something for you if you found something online like, hey, this is a great beginner workout routine. Yeah. So 100%. 
You're really hitting me where it hurts with the workout stuff right now. I hope you know that. (laughs) I, I, well, it's not intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. One big question that I have, cause I feel like this comes up all the time. We, 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 we talk about wanting to be wanting people to be vulnerable and be vulnerable with us. But then we also joke about the people who overshare and tell their life story over appetizers on the first date. So what is the difference? Like, how do you walk that fine line between being vulnerable and oversharing and especially like oversharing too much too soon? Yeah, the oversharers, I call those people like puking on my shoes. Oh, no, that's me. I'm sorry. Right. I they hope just they were like, in nice shoes. <laughs> you walk up and then they just spill everything and you're just sitting there kind of holding this like wet bag of like someone else's stories. And that belongs in what I, you know, and this is sort of maybe a privileged viewpoint, but like that belongs with a therapist. Yes. Right. Like there, there is no oversharing with a therapist. Like the whole goal is to like share with them what's going on. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to advise people on like, what is too much? Um, yeah, wow. That's a really tough question because we do want people to open up, but we don't want to overshare and scare people away. But then if we scare people away, maybe those are the people that we're supposed to scare away. That's true. Um, I just keep thinking of this idea of like, what would you share in a first, in like an interview with somebody, you know, like it's like a first meeting, right? So they they don't need to know everything right about you right um and this sort of goes back to are they a safe person and the way to do that is to make small disclosures at the beginning and gauge their reaction yeah. so for like a first date you know someone could say how's it going and you could choose to say oh fine everything's everything's fine when in reality you're kind of sad that your grandma passed away So you could say, actually, you know, I'm feeling a little sad that my grandma passed away. And so it's been sort of like, you know, a hard couple weeks. Yeah. And that to me isn't puking on somebody's shoes. It's not oversharing. It's being authentic about what's going on. Um, An example of oversharing might be like to bring up all of the messed up things that your parents did to you. And that you like, let's say you had a fight with your mom and then you, you share about the fight and then of all the other stuff that that, you know, how they have wronged you for whatever, 20 something years of your life. Yeah. That the might fight's be the tip se- of the iceberg, but you don't want right. to uncover it, everything else right exactly. away. Exactly. So again, like slowly over time, also like, do they deserve your story? Yeah. Right. Like who is this person? This person is a total stranger. Like, do you really want to give them access to everything that's going on inside you? Um, to me, that feels really, really risky. Again, going back to like, how are they going to react to your disclosure? Yeah. So, and maybe to bring it back to to you, like, yeah, if you're someone who doesn't share anything, then it might be good to explore the edge of your comfort zone. And I like the idea of exploring the edge rather than pushing past it completely into unbridled, you know, unfiltered sort of disclosures about what's going on with you. So unfortunately, there's no easy answer to this. It's totally a dance, right? Intimacy is a dance between me and you. Um, And you don't want to be the partner that just grabs the other person and flings them all around the room. You want to sort of like attune and adjust to the other person. And a lot of the stuff is unspoken. A lot of the stuff is nonverbal. And it's really, really hard to figure out. Yeah, I th- I like what you said about maybe like saying something little like the setting the stage with like, yeah, like I'm sad my grandma's not doing well and and 
rather than getting into the whole thing, but letting them know, like, I'm human. This is how I'm feeling right now. Um, and then I think an important thing is like, see how they react to that, but also see if then they give you something back. Um, and, and you can kind of play off of each other. Like if you're just sitting there, like spilling your life and they're not giving you like any intimate details about their life or their feelings, then it might be a sign to like slow down. Um, I also think that I forget what I was going to say, but one thing I was going to say is, yeah, on my first date with Jake, my boyfriend now, I did tell him, like, I think I sat down. He was like, how was your weekend? And I was like, honestly, not great. My mom's in the hospital, but she's doing okay. And I kind of needed to say that because that was weighing on me. Like, I felt weird for going on a date when my mom was in the hospital, but I was like, I'm okay. We talked about it for like 30 seconds, talked about how I couldn't really visit because of COVID. And then we moved on and I felt like I could then continue on. You know, and I like I appreciated how he responded to it, seemed caring, but like not too invasive. And I was like, okay, this feels safe. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, You mentioned reciprocity, right? So I think reciprocity is a really beautiful example or like method to gauge people's safety, right? Is are they able to reciprocate in kind or, you know, in your particular example, um, express some sort of empathy, compassion about where you're at. And I think it's really beautiful that you were able to disclose some of your authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you didn't, then it would be a little inauthentic. Uh, You might start to like act or speak in, in ways that just don't feel right because you're kind of holding this thing that needs to be shared. doesn't need to be explored on a first date, but doesn't need to be shared because that's actually what's going on with you and could also like shed some light on like, why you're feeling a particular way on that first date. Definitely. As you can tell from my intro, I'm a little bit out of it right now. And that's probably because I didn't take a focus gummy or a calm gummy before doing this recording. And for those who don't know, I'm talking about the mindset wellness CBD gummies that I pretty much credit my ability to do anything to. They are amazing. All of mindset wellness CBD's products are incredible. I could not speak more highly of them. Uh, I have been obsessed with the focus gummies. They help me get through all the work that I have to do. Not only do I do this podcast and two episodes a week, but I also produce another podcast. I do marketing and social content for a few different individuals and brands. And it's a lot. And without these focus gummies, I could not do it at all. There's just no way. Um, And I also with that, like the calm gummies to take at the end of the day, so I can like, chill out, relax and, and really just like, not be in the work, like running my brain till it can't go anymore mindset. Um, huh, I just said mindset and also the rest gummies, which helped me get the best sleep ever that I need in order to do all of this. So shout out to mindset wellness CBD. I love you lots as always. And if you haven't tried mindset wellness CBD, head to mindsetwellnesscbd.com. And of course, hooking you up with 10% off and free shipping with the code seeing other people at checkout. So I have a few listener questions that tie into exactly what we're talking about, which worked out very nicely. Um, The first one that I want to ask is someone said, I feel scared when someone is vulnerable with me. I don't know what to say back to them. Do you have any advice? It makes sense that you would feel that way. That's like a total, you know, it's like you don't have to have the answers when someone shares something vulnerable and you don't know what to do, you can just say, it makes sense that you would feel that way. Yeah. Um, or I hear you. That sounds really insert emotion, you know, most obvious emotion, right? Like challenging, frustrating, like upsetting or yeah, I 
I can see how, yeah, I can see how you would feel that way. That sounds really upsetting. So it doesn't really have to be anything more than that. Just that you are validating what somebody is sharing with you. And there's this uh, tendency to want to fix people's uh, unpleasant emotions, right? Mm -hmm. People will call them negative emotions. They're not negative to me. They're just pleasant or unpleasant, comfortable or uncomfortable. And oftentimes when we're sharing something vulnerable, it's uncomfortable or it's difficult or it's unpleasant. And people have a tendency to want to fix things, right? Like either uh, make you feel better or help you move on or change your mind or cheer you up when really that's not probably what you need at all. It might be at times what you need. Most often people just need to be validated, seen, heard. Totally. And, and just saying, you know, it makes sense that you feel that way. That sounds really challenging. And one thing that you can do instead of jumping in to offer advice is, is there anything I could do to support you? Yeah. Is or how can I, I can, how can I help? How can I help? Or if you ever want to talk about it, let me know. Yeah. That, that way, maybe they were, they probably were afraid to be vulnerable with you. So even saying like, I'm, I'm here if you ever want to talk about it, gives them the reassurance that like you're somebody who is safe for them and that they can open up to you more. Even like it's scary for both people, yeah. you know, just keep that in mind. One last thing is um, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, you know, or thank you for trusting me with that. Definitely. I love that. doesn't have to be, it, it could just be like one or two sentences that we do. We don't have to have like, you know, a speech prepared for things that we're just not prepared for. It's totally okay not to be prepared for this stuff. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, okay, the next question, and this might kind of teeter between the vulnerable versus oversharing debate, but is it okay to tell them you're a virgin before you meet up with them in person? I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's not okay. I just, I just don't think that anybody really needs to know that unless until we figure out whether there's a connection actually worth exploring. So there's a lot of stuff that we don't need to disclose. It's not bad to disclose, but it, it might be just unnecessary. Yeah. Right. Like what if you meet up and you don't like them anyway? So then you're not going to, there's no potential to have sex anyway. So it doesn't, you don't have to have that discussion until let's say you go on a couple dates and it's like, you're getting excited. You, you kind of would like to maybe explore having sex with this person. Then you could say something like, Hey, I have something that's kind of difficult for me to share. I've never really done it before. So this might be kind of awkward, but, um, I have never had sex before and I really am enjoying my time with you and would like to consider, you know, maybe having sex with you and how does that feel (laughs) or what do you think about that? Guys will sort of sometimes, and I don't mean to make this like super gendered, but women are better with like feeling like, how how do you feel about that? Because generally speaking, women are more in touch with their emotions and guys will respond better. Like, what do you think about that? Cause it's more of like a cerebral type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just see what happens. But I don't think it's necessary to like tell people that you're a virgin before you even meet them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of the, those things in life that can unfortunately create, like people will judge you before knowing you based off of that. Or like they'll come up with a story in their head of like, maybe why you've never had sex before. And and I just don't think that's necessary. But on the flip side, if you're a virgin by choice, and like you're saving yourself for marriage, I think that that's something that again, like, again, you can wait for those few dates. And when you start thinking like, oh, they might be expecting this now, like, then you can 
kind of communicate that to them. Yeah, totally. There's also this idea that like they're going to think that you're going to want to get married because they're they're the <laughs> ones that are going to have sex with you for the first time ever. And there's sort of like these expectations around that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's definitely like, uh, a, a tricky conversation to have. But again, going back to like, is this a safe person to express myself to? Yes. Do I really need to share this right now? Is this going to affect our ability to have a fun couple dates? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's, there are so many more questions, but I really want to talk about um, commitment and, and DTRing. So let's table the communication honesty part, because I actually think a lot of what we said is really helpful. And I'm really excited about how that conversation went. Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? It is so normal, but it's not talked about and it makes all of us going through it feel really alone and frustrated. And I'm one of those women and I have been so self-conscious about my hair thinning and shedding for so long. That is why I'm eternally grateful that I found Nutrafol last year. And honestly, I wish I had tried it sooner. When my team asked me recently if I wanted to team up with Nutrafol, I have never said yes to something faster. Nutrafol has become a part of my routine that I can't live without because of how much it's helped me and I truly could not recommend it more highly. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And it is so easy to start your hair journey. You can take the hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root cause. Because everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth doesn't cut it. That's why Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, as well as for different lifestyles like plant-based diets. And I know, I know, it can be hard to commit long-term to doing something every single day. But with Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription required, free shipping, and automatic delivery ensures that you'll never miss a day. And you'll see results in three to six months. If I can do it, so can you. It's kind of funny that I'm recording this right now as I'm literally about to go get a haircut because my hair is probably the longest it's ever been right now and my hair never used to grow. But now it does and it's really all thanks to Nutrafol. Plus, I am so grateful to be going into my wedding feeling confident about my hair and that is definitely not something I expected to be able to say before starting Nutrafol. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. I'm not just a girl on the go these days. I am a chicken running around with its head cut off. Two podcasts, wedding planning, wedding attending, dog momming, traveling, and trying to eat well, move my body, and stay sane all at once is not a recipe for success. That's why I've turned to my recipe masters, aka Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat meals that taste delicious, make me feel good, and take a major thing off of my to-do list. Factor's meals are pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and there are more than 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Guys, I seriously can't say enough good things about Factor's meals. They take two minutes to heat up, which means I can pop them in the microwave between recordings, or I can grab a ready-made smoothie from the fridge on my way to a workout class, or I can even have dinner ready for me and Jake after a really long day of work without lifting a finger. It has changed so much and has really made me feel like there's one thing I need to worry about. And I feel good after eating the meals. Like they're so delicious and nutritious. You can order as much or as little as you
you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. And you can pause or reschedule whenever you need, which has been really helpful for me with on and off traveling that I've had over the last few months and over the next few months. And you guys know I love when things make sense financially and factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So you save money and you don't have to go anywhere to pick them up. Factors roasted garlic butter salmon and their tomato basil chicken risotto are two of my favorites that I keep ordering on repeat. But honestly, every single one of their meals has lived up to the hype. And of course, we are hooking you guys up. Head to factormeals.com slash seeing other people 50 and use code seeing other people 50 to get 50% off. That's code seeing other people 50 at factormeals.com slash seeing other people 50 to get 50% off. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay. Commitment. Defining the relationship. That's also healthy and communicate, like healthy communication and disclosure. So it's all connected. So the big first question that I want to ask and, and kind of discuss is, is there such thing as being afraid of commitment and why? Of course. Of course. (laughs) But like, Uh, here's but I feel like some, so many times people say it just because they don't like, of course you're going to be a, like, I'm not just going to want to commit to somebody until I know that I want to commit to them. But does that mean I'm afraid of commitment? I don't know. Maybe. You could be afraid of intimacy. You could be afraid of commitment. You could be afraid of making the wrong decision. You could be afraid of a whole bunch of different things. Um, I right now am looking for my next place to live and am really struggling with choosing a place. And so I have fear of commitment around choosing a place to live because it's an important decision. So is being in a relationship with somebody, opening up to someone, leaning on them, having needs that they can fill. Like all these are sort of, you know, it's like, it's not banal, right? Like it, it's, it, it is kind of important. So I think having a fear of commitment isn't, isn't like necessarily unhealthy. I think it's interesting. I think it's, fun to explore, like what is scary about committing to a person, right? Is it that um, you're scared that they're going to leave you? Is it that you're going to move in together and then they're going to change their mind and then you're going to have to leave because it's their apartment, right? There's all these like actual real world consequences from that, that can come from committing to someone. So I think some fear of commitment is actually very healthy and normal and not anything to be worried about. I think where it gets kind of interesting is like when you want a relationship, but you know, you, you end up 
breaking up with everybody that you date after like a month because you're scared of actually like what is going to come from being in a relationship with that person. Yeah. I think for, at least for me for a long time, like I had gotten hurt so many times by so many people that I, of course you don't go into a relationship thinking this person's going to hurt me. But like after a certain point and after like getting hurt so many times, it does start to feel like that. So I think for me, it, it started to get hard where like, I would still open myself up to people, but I like on the inside would be really terrified that like, if I actually got in a relationship with someone fell for someone and started to like create this partnership with someone that I would again, get like heartbroken. I mean, that is the ultimate risk. Yeah. Right. That, that is, that's what happens when you open up to love, you risk getting hurt. Yeah. And this is where it comes down to like, is this person safe enough for me to open up to not trying to figure out whether they're going to leave me in the future, but are they safe enough for me to like continue to build something with ultimately we have no guarantees in life about whether they're going to leave us or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be going really, really well. We could want the same things and then something can change, right? Because people change all the time or something can happen to them or something can happen. Yeah. Which will lead to change. Um, So, yeah, I think having a fear of commitment is totally natural and normal. And sometimes you just have to say, like, fuck it, I'm going to do it anyways, knowing that I might get hurt or knowing that this might not work out the way I plan it to be. And that's sort of how life works, right? If, if we're going to live life on the sidelines, then life is just going to kind of like pass you by. Life is going to happen to you rather than you being sort of like uh, an architect, Right. I mean, an architect designs a house perfectly, right? Like it's perfect on paper and then you build it and the the foreman or the contractor is like, this is guard. This doesn't work the way you intended it to work. We're going to have to make some changes. Mm -hmm. And so do you want to be the architect or you just want to sort of like sit on the bench and like mixing metaphors here um, (laughs) and, and let life happen to you? I'd much rather be an architect. And then sometimes there are times in your life where you just need to sit on the bench. Yeah. You're like, yo, I don't want to play this game right now. Right. I'm not, I'm happy to watch other people play, yeah. but I'm not in a position right now to like pick up the bat and start swinging for yeah. the fences. And that's perfectly okay. <laughs> and and I always say it's like, it's so healthy and, and encouraged to take breaks. Otherwise you're just going to be in this constant loop of like burnout or feeling terrible about your dating life. And so I, I do think taking breaks to focus on your friends, your job, your life, just being happy is such a great thing to do. Yeah. Going to the gym. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm only bringing it up because I also have not been going to the gym lately. So we will hold each other accountable. Perfect. Um, So what do you do in the situation that uh, the seeing other people listeners know I have been in many times where you like someone and things seem to be going well and you're very hopeful. And then they tell you that they are afraid of commitment or don't know if they're looking for a long-term commitment or something serious. Well, those are two different things, right? Like if they're, if they tell you things are going well and they tell you like, Hey, I'm really enjoying this. I'm enjoying getting to know you. And I just, you know, fear of commitment is something that I've been struggling with. Mm-hmm. Fear of intimacy is something I've been struggling with. That's beautiful. That's, that's awesome. That's totally something that you can explore. You know, like what is so scary about committing to a relationship with me, right? So getting curious around the underlying fear, 
right? And the fear could be like, well, I've been broken up with three times and I just like, I'm a little gun shy these days because I'm scared of this going to happen again. Or um, my parents divorced at a really young age and it was a nasty separation. And I'm kind of scared that that's going to happen to me, right? So these are opportunities for closeness and connection. And that's something that you can work with. Mm -hmm. If you're dating someone and you really like them and they say, hey, you know what? I'm just not available for a long-term relationship. That's a different message. That's someone saying, hey, my need is not to be in a long-term committed relationship. Then you get to make a decision as to whether you want to stick around and most likely experience a lot of disappointment. Or if you say, you know what? I'm super disappointed. I really enjoy getting to know you. I was hoping that we can keep doing this for a little bit, but I totally understand where you're at. And in order to protect myself, I'm going to remove myself from this relationship. Yeah. Two different scenarios. You're right. You're right. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's the ah about? The the second one. <laughs> it's so hard. I because I feel like I feel like we all and by we all I mean people like me get into this situation and we're like, oh, like they're saying they're not they don't know if they want something serious or they can't commit right now and like we think challenge accepted. I'll sure. change their mind. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, what you said, I, I think you used the real, like really good phrasing where you said like, I'm going to remove myself from this to protect myself. Yeah. Every single time that somebody says, has said to me in the past that they were not looking for something serious or they weren't sure if they wanted to be in a relationship, I have stayed and I have gotten hurt. And yeah. I wish, I wish I had spared myself the, pain and had said like, you know what? Like I, I totally respect that. Love getting to know you, but I do want something serious. So this, that that's it. But like, let me know if you change your mind even. Yeah. That's not going to work for me. No. Yeah. Yeah. What you're looking for isn't what I'm looking for. And so it's like, you know, we want different things. Yeah. And I also understand the, the idea of, you know, challenge accepted, maybe they'll change their mind and, and they very well might. They might, they probably won't, but they could. And so do you want to play that game or do you want to just say like, cool, I'm going to try somebody else. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I do think that they're, you know, early stage relationships are inherently uncertain. Yeah. There is going to be a lot of discomfort as you sort of tune into each other, each other's needs and desires and fears and see, is this a good fit? And when someone says, I'm not sure that I want a relationship, I kind of hear, I don't want a relationship or I'm not ready for a relationship yeah. instead of I might want a relationship. So like, you know, I've heard people say like a maybe is a no and okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe it is a no. Maybe it's a maybe and maybe it's a eventually a yes. And, and ultimately we won't really know unless we like stick around. And one thing that I want to say is that, you know, you said you wish that you had acted differently and, you know, maybe those experiences is exactly what you needed at that yes. time for you to learn what you needed to learn so that you could be in a fantastic relationship with Jake. Yes. And if you had not stayed, you know, the length that you had, maybe Jake would have been doing something else by the time that you were ready and then you missed each other. And so, you know, you went through all of that so that you could be here right now. Yes, you're, you're absolutely correct. And I'm glad you pointed that out because yes, in hindsight, in those situations, I wish I had done them differently, but I always, I, I really am like grateful for all the experiences that I've had. And like, 
I've learned so much through like all of the pain I've put myself through. Um, and so it is, I mean, it is really cool. And, and I did actually turn it around and last like fall, early fall, I think I had gone on like three or four dates with somebody that I was like super into. I thought it was going well. And he brought up that like, he was probably going to be moving to Miami for the rest of COVID and that we should like, we could keep talking and see where things go when he's back and keep seeing each other until he left. And I was like, you know what? Like, usually I would say yes. Usually I would say in this because like, I do like you and I do see that this could be something, but I need, like, I need to try and like, not do this to myself again. And I did actually like, remove myself from the situation. And I was sad, but I was really proud of myself. Yeah. You, you explored an edge, right? Like your, your pattern would be to stay with it because it's enjoyable and you're meeting some of my needs and yeah, I'm disappointed, but it's still good. And that's the pattern. And then you broke that pattern by saying, actually, I'm going to do something different this time. I'm going to choose me. I'm going to choose like the, the pain now rather than the pain later. Yeah. And move through that. And then see what happens. Yeah. And the pain later would have been so much deeper and so much worse. Probably. And it would have been like a ticking time bomb. And that's not fun for anyone. And I would just want to say that if you're in this kind of situation where there's like, uh, you know, an expiry date or whatever, it's totally fine to also just go right up to the expiry date. Yeah. If you're really enjoying getting to know Miami guy and it's meeting some of your needs and that's, that's totally fine as well. There are really no wrong decisions yeah. here. I, I kind of say that there are no mistakes in God's world and I use God, you know, very loosely, but whatever you do will lead to an experience that you will carry for the rest of your life. Right. And, and going back to wisdom is not taught. Like we can tell people, Hey, if Miami guy says he's leaving in two months, it'll be less painful if you leave now than it will be later. We can tell people that, Right. But it'll be much better for them if they experience what they need to experience and then learn from those situations. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So what is your input or advice on the situation where let's say like I had said, I've said to somebody like, I want to be exclusive. I, I see like, I'm really glad how, with how things are going. And I feel like I, I see this turning into something like I'm not seeing other people what about you? <laughs> like, do you want to be exclusive? Whatever better phrasing I would have said in that moment. And obviously I'm going into that conversation hoping that they're on the same page and assuming they are. And then I hear them say like, actually, I'm not there yet. Or I don't know if that's what I want. Like, what would you advise to somebody in that situation? Is there a way to even like bounce back from that? So first of all, the way you said it was beautifully clunky. <laughs> and I think there is really no super smooth way to have that conversation. Yeah. I, I haven't even been able to figure out how to like advise people on making it sound super slick and smooth. I also don't think that we need to be slick and smooth when we're talking about commitment or exclusivity. Just like I'd rather you get it totally like you bungle it, but do it anyways than not do it at all. Definitely. So, um, can you bounce back or how do you act or how, how do you act? How do you react or how do you deal with? Well, also, yeah. Uh, how do you act after that? That too. I know. It's, it's so okay. So I have uh, one of my ex-girlfriends. We're still really great friends. We met on OkCupid like six years ago. And on our first date was so great that 
like the next day I turned off my profile, right? Because the, the goal of the dating apps is to like meet someone that you want to get to know more and go on more dates with. And so I was like, oh, mission accomplished, mm-hmm. turned it off. On our second date, she was like, hey, what happened to your profile? And I said, oh, my oh well, God. I said, well, I turned it off because uh, I really loved our first date and I'm super excited to get to know you. And as far as I'm concerned, like I'm happy to just date you. And she was like, oh, um, I am new to online dating and I'm really enjoying getting to know a bunch of different people. So I'm not there. And I said, that's fine. I've done enough online dating to know that you will not meet anybody as cool as me. Hell yeah. And you haven't had enough disappointing first dates to know that what we have is awesome. So enjoy yourself. And like two weeks later... She was like, yeah, man, that, that online dating thing was terrible. Like what a nightmare. <laughs> That's and then incredible. We, and we dated exclusive, like exclusively. So there was an, an element of confidence, right? Yeah. That like, I know I'm awesome. I know that what we have is awesome. And I'm totally willing to let you figure out, to let you find that out on your own, right? The experience, you have to go through the experience to actually realize that this is awesome. Right. Um, which means that you do have to have like, some element of like self-esteem and self-worth knowing that you are worth it, mm-hmm. that, that regardless of what happens, you know, that you're in, you're into it and that you're a good person regardless of how they act. So that helps, right? Having some confidence about you, your value and your worth as a person helps a lot when someone says, I'm not really sure that I'm ready to commit to the extent that you are ready to commit. Yeah. So that's one thing that helps. Um, and ultimately we can't really, we can't as much as I want to control other people and make them love me the way I want to be loved. I can't do that. And so I have to sort of surrender to the uncertainty, the discomfort that comes from early stage relationships and and early stage could be anywhere from like two weeks to nine months or a year, whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, when it's still uncertain as to what it is that we are doing together. And, you know, I think a red flag is when someone is like all in at the very beginning, although I guess that's kind of how I was, which maybe that was a red flag. Um, I certainly actually exited that, that relationship because of a fear of commitment Mm. nine months down the road. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I continuously struggle with this kind of stuff. Um, anyways, that's my answer. Yeah. I, it definitely is such a tricky situation. Cause it's also like, when, like, are you saying it too soon? Are you waiting too long? What are they thinking? What are you thinking? I know, um, one of my best friends had gone on two dates with somebody. And on the second date, he said to her, like, I don't want to see anyone else. Like, I don't want to go on dates with anyone else. I only want to talk to you but I don't need you to be there right now. I just want you to know that that's where I'm at. And she really appreciated him telling her, but then that put a lot of pressure on her. Like she felt so guilty because there was somebody else that she was going on dates with and she felt terrible. Like she couldn't sleep at night because she knew that he wasn't talking to someone else, but she was, even though it was only two dates. I mean, that's kind of on her. Right. Like he said, I don't need you to be there. I'm happy just chatting with you. You can do with that. You know, you you could do what you will. And what she, what she did was feel a lot of guilt about it, which is fine. It's fine to feel guilty about it. It's also like, 
not that big a deal to be dating two people at the beginning stages of relationship, at least for our American listeners. Um, <laughs> this practice is like foreign to a lot of other people in different cultures. But here, that's what we do. We kind of like, you know, test drive a couple of models until we were like, yeah, I like this one the, the most. And that can be a bit problematic. You know, I mean, it's we have this idea, this like choice paralysis that kind of happens when we have access to millions of people on our telephone. Like this is a relatively new thing to be able to just like window shop your next partner. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in that situation, I don't think that he contributed to the expectations, but she had sort of like built them up into her mind that she had to like, you know, she couldn't date more than one person at a time. Like you said, it's all really, really tricky. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, Hey, I really am enjoying getting to know you. I want to keep seeing you. I'm not interested in seeing other people um, while we're sort of exploring this and you can actually do whatever it is that you want. And ultimately what it comes down to, this is what I wanted to say earlier about how to react or deal with the situation where there's sort of like a mismatch in the level of commitment is that you get to stay in, in a relationship as long as you want until it no longer makes sense. And I have said that to somebody who was having a hard time committing to me. And I said, look, I'm happy to continue getting to know you. I'm going to stay in this relationship until it no longer makes sense. And as soon as that happens, I will let you know. And as soon as you realize, if you realize that you don't want to be with me, please let me know as soon as possible. And then what do you want to watch tonight? Mm-hmm. Right? Like you, you've spoken your piece yeah. and then you can just go back to being in a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. I also think a good thing to say is just like get a temperature check of like, where, like how, like, how do you feel? What are, where are you at? Like what's on your mind right now? And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask those things. We're afraid to find out if something we say is okay with them or if, like they are on the same page as us. And and I think just asking, like we're afraid to get the answer, but isn't it better to like know than not know? Well, it's like not asking the question doesn't change the answer. Right. Yes. 100%. So, and yeah, people are afraid of hearing, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm not really invested in this as much as you are. And I'm not um, available to continue dating you, but you, I would rather know that. Yeah. As soon as possible so that I can take care of myself and move on. Yep. Again, the longer you, the longer you're in it, the harder it's going to be at the end. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it depends. Depends. I was talking to my, I was talking to my therapist about like a healthy, this is sort of a tangent, but healthy relationships when they end the, the grieving process is actually much shorter than an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. So if you're in a really healthy relationship with open communication, you're, you're like checking in about your needs and you're doing temperature checks, like you said, um, it might be worth extending that just because you're getting so many needs met and there's so many like positive effects on your life mm-hmm. uh, that it could be worth to sort of exploring it more and then dealing with the pain later. Um, again, there's no guidebook to this stuff. There are no right or right, wrong answers. And it's really about what's right for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to do a few listener questions and then we will let you go. Okay. Um, even though I don't want to let you go because there's so much more to talk Alana. about. Alana. Don't let me go. <laughs> never. I will never <laughs> let you go. Um, okay. 
Hi, I recently started listening to the podcast and I really enjoy it. Thank you. I was talking to this, with this boy for about three months. I'm in college. And when it came time for summertime, he said he didn't want to do long distance. So we cut things off immediately. We continue to talk after some time apart as just as friends. He recently drove up for three hours to see me and he actually asked me to be his girlfriend. I just turned 20 and I've never had a boyfriend. My question is, how do you trust someone and give them a second chance? And do you think people can really have a change of heart? Beautiful question. Uh, very sweet. Uh, yeah. I don't even know if this is about giving somebody a second chance. Like he wasn't ready and now he's ready. Right. So yeah, people change all the time. They really do. Um, it's risky, yeah. but love is risky. Right. So, you know, if you've never had a relationship before, this is a great opportunity for you to experience being in a relationship with someone who seemingly wants to be in a relationship with you as well. Um, I think in that scenario, like in all scenarios, I would go really slowly. Mm -hmm. You know, like you could say something like, I've never had a boyfriend before. I was disappointed when you said that you weren't available for anything long term. I'm a little confused now that you're back. So maybe some clarity around what has changed for you would be really helpful for me as I decide whether this is right you know, for, for me and for my heart. And, you know, if all the answers kind of check out, then, you know, you could say something like, I'm, I don't know that I'm ready to be your girlfriend, but I'm, I'm ready to go on some dates with you again. Yeah. I, I don't think, think we have to jump into the labels thing right away, but like, let's, let's see how, um, how we enjoy the time that we're going to spend together is. Yeah. I love that. I also think like, it almost seems like, like don't overthink this situation where I, I kind of feel like he wasn't sure, like, Oh, like summer, like whatever, hot girl, summer, shock girl, whatever, like summer will be fun. And then he wasn't with you. And he was like, Oh shit, I miss this person. And I want to be with them. And he did drive three hours to see you. Like, that's not just something you do on a whim. It could be, but I think that I, I, I do feel like this could be like a really good situation. So try not to overthink it, but also, yeah, just ask like what changed your mind? And yeah, what, what, what changed for you? I think is such a great question when there's like an inconsistency in behavior in a relationship, like you wanted this and now you don't like what, what has changed for you? Yeah. Right. It's open-ended question. It makes them have to answer it in more than a yes or no. And um, it'll give you more clarity around what's going on. And one thing that just kind of popped to mind right now is that I have many friends that have been in long-term relationships with each other, like married, kids, all that. And they told me that at the beginning, one or both of them was ambiguous and sort of like floozy about the relationship and like kind of flaky. And, you know, there was like a, a long period of uncertainty and, and eventually they sort of like worked it out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, the feelings can build over time and yeah. sort of should build over time. It's a bit of a red flag when you like fall head over heels with someone that you don't know. Yeah. Right. Agreed. So I think some uncertainty is totally fine. We can give people more than one chance as long as there's a dialogue around what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's the big problem is like when there is no dialogue and we're just making up all these sorts of assumptions and answers and storylines in our heads that is just not, it's unfounded because we're not having the conversations because we're scared of having the conversations because we're scared of scaring people away. A lot of fear there. I always say my, my chem teacher in high school, shout out Mr. Borneman. He would always say, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. So don't assume <laughs> Miss, you guys don't assume. That's, 
Is that an original Mr. Borneman quote? No, it's definitely not. I just know it from him. It's like, I can't think of, I cannot think of the word assume or the concept of making an assumption without thinking, like hearing his voice in my head saying it. I love that. I think, um, Mr. Scola, my algebra teacher might've said that to me as well, or to our classroom. To any teachers out there listening, you do make an impact on your students. They will remember you for forever and ever. Um, I have, I have (laughs) teachers that I still like think about, uh, and uh, about how like, like a positive role model they were in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, next question. And I think, I think we're both going to have a pretty similar answer to this. Well, Um, wait, wait, can we just call this podcast? Like we agree on everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also now everyone listening, if like, go follow Sean at the love drive, because you will, if you're listening to seeing other people, you will like all of Sean's content. Yay. Yay. You actually make amazing content. I'm always so impressed at like the, the amount of amazing content that you put out. Oh my God. Are we making content right now? I just took a photo. I took a photo. Yeah. How do I look? Um, it's fuzzy actually. The, your, the connection's fuzzy, but you know, that's not good. I know we'll we'll do a real one after. Great. Can't wait. Okay. Listener question. He snapshots me every day. I'm going to New York for my birthday and he plans on seeing me then, but I'm annoyed because he's only planning on seeing me because it's convenient for him. Is this guy just playing me? Oh, um, I have no idea what is going on. (laughs) He probably doesn't know. You don't know. No one knows what's going on. There's just like a lot of like, un, you know, un, uncertainty. I'm using that word a lot. Um, do, do they live in the same? What's going on? Do they live in the same it state? It doesn't seem like this person lives in New York because they said that they are going to New York and he plans on seeing them then because it's convenient. I mean, that's cool. Like hang out because it's convenient. Yeah. Like if I'm chatting with someone in Michigan it's kind of inconvenient for me to fly to Michigan, but if I happen to be in Michigan, I might make plans with that person. Right. So like we're sort of using, it's totally fine to like hang out with someone because it's convenient. Uh, Maybe this isn't someone that you want to like have a long-term committed relationship with, but maybe this is someone that you can go on a couple fun dates with. And is he playing you? I don't know. I I guess you'd have to go on a few dates to see what his intentions are. I, I, I think what, this is a really fun question, but it's like, what are your intentions? That's, a, that's actually not a fun question at all. It could be fun for you asking, but not fun to receive it if you don't know what the intentions are. I remember somebody on Instagram, we became friends, we're friends now, but at the very beginning, she asked me for my phone number and I go, what are your intentions with my phone number? <laughs> and she goes, actually, I'm, I'm not sure. So I'm going to sit on that for a little bit and let you know. That's and then hilarious. we eventually got together. We, we met up in upstate New York or, or, or Western Massachusetts because I happen to be there and she lives nearby. And then mm. we developed a friendship. We went to a Krishna Das concert. We went to a Kripalu retreat and we became friends. So you don't know what someone's intentions are sometimes and what they are might change, right? She might've been interested in dating me, but we actually found that we're a much better fit as friends or as like colleagues yeah. or whatever. So yeah. who knows? Go on yeah. a date, have fun, see what happens. You might not even like this person when you meet them. Right. Right. Just because they snap, they're great snappers doesn't mean they're great in person. 
Well, that's what I was going to say is, is the emphasis on like, he snaps me every day is the first thing. Like that was the first sentence. And I do, if somebody is Snapchatting you, like that does not mean much because there's a very good chance that they're Snapchatting that to 10 other people. And if, if they are, if this person is genuinely interested in you, he would be texting you, calling you, FaceTiming you, asking you about your day, like trying to find a time for the two of you to meet up either in New York or where you live or somewhere else, like if they were actually interested. So I think that the situation, I, I wouldn't put all of your eggs in the Snapchatters basket. I wouldn't, I, yeah, I wouldn't put very many eggs in it either. I think, uh, you know, DMs, snaps is sort of like candy for the ego. Yeah. Right. You're getting some validations. Even swiping and matching is candy for the ego. Um, and ultimately, until you check and have a conversation about what they want and what you want, you're sort of, you're assuming, right? Mm-hmm. And I got a question recently that was, that said, um, my boyfriend, you know, my, the person I'm dating invited me to um, the holidays with his parents. Does that mean we're in a relationship? And it's like, it doesn't mean anything other than they're inviting you to hang out with the parents until you have a conversation about what it is that you are both building together. Yeah. And I think if they're inviting you to that, then I I think you have every, I mean, of course you always have every right to ask, but I think that really gives you the agency to be like, what am I to you? (laughs) Where are we? Who, Who are we? Yeah. Do you, do you like the, what are we question? What's your thoughts on the, what are we question? I, I don't think it, I don't think it's a good question. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, okay, it puts good. a lot of pressure because it's also like, if you're saying to someone like, what are we, obviously you have an expectation and, and a goal of what they're going to respond. I, like the much better thing to do is say like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. How about you? Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're asking, what are we, you already have an idea of what you want us to be. Yeah. So skip the, the weird sort of, I I get it. I get the question, but like skip it and then have the more, the more direct conversation around what it is that you want and what you're feeling and then ask them what they want and what they're feeling. Yeah. In, in your opinion, is being exclusive the same thing as being in a relationship? Uh, we're in a relationship. No, because there, there are non-monogamous relationships there. I mean, technically when you go to the grocery store and this is a bit pedantic, but you are entering into a relationship with a cashier, right? So generally just the word relationship is like just two people doing something together, right? So I would, I would just want more clarity, yeah. around what it is that we are building together and what are the rules of engagement, right? Like, what are the boundaries? Are we seeing other people? Are we monogamous? Like, I just don't did think you we just, can... Did you just say seeing other people in <laughs> conversation? Nice. Does that come up every time? It really doesn't. Maybe like one in every 15. Nice. <laughs> I, it was unintentional, but it makes sense. Nice. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I... Um, Jake asked me to be exclusive on our sixth date. Nice. And I like, in my mind, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like I'm not going on dates with other people, but like, we're definitely not in a relationship yet. Like we hardly know each other, but sure. Like we can be exclusive. And then like a month and a half later, I was like, so when are you going to ask me to be your girlfriend? Oh, (laughs) nice. Is what I said to him. He goes, oh, I thought you were my girlfriend. 
Mm, that is so cute. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Okay, <laughs> cool. Sounds yeah, good. I, I totally think that that relation, that, that conversation kind of doesn't have to happen, but can totally happen. Hey, yeah. are you my boyfriend? You know, like, are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Like it's, it doesn't have to be super serious. It could be really cute. Um, or, Hey, how should I introduce you? Oh, well, yes, maybe as, that's your, a great way. as your boyfriend, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's just tough because everyone has such different definitions. It's like, I still run into the situation where the word, the term like hooking up, well, did you make out or did you have sex? What did you do? Because in different, what I found, like once I went to college was in my town, we said hook up as make out. And in other towns, people said hook up as they had sex. And it was so complicated because you could be like, oh, like I hooked up with Adam last night. And someone would be like, no. And someone else would be like, Oh, okay. And it was just like, everyone was on such different pages and, and we all have different dictionaries. So I I do think like the more you can communicate, the better. Yeah. The, the language is not actually the the meaning of the words that we use isn't shared. Yeah. Right. It, It could be, should be, I don't know. There's just, there's too many different interpretations. And so another plug for having potentially awkward, difficult conversations to gain more clarity around what it is that you're doing together. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, I don't want to let you go, but I'll let you go. Thank you so much for being here. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, um, where they can knock on your door and ask you more questions, whatever it may be. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, first of all, it was a pleasure to be here. and I love the work that you're doing and I'm, I'm so happy that we were able to like connect on this level. Uh, you can find me at the love drive on Instagram or I guess TikTok. Um, and I have courses online on communication, intimacy, dating, sexuality that all lives at seangalanos.com. Um, you can also just go to the, the love drive.com and it'll forward you there. Um, S H A U N G A L A N O S. And that's it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And to everyone who tuned in, thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.